This is Manuel Amesqua, host of Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude. It's a new podcast where we interview the top performers in sports and business to unlock the mindsets and disciplines required to get to the top of the 1% of 1%. Our goal is to bring value to as many people as possible with these conversations. But now we need your help to grow the podcast. Take a minute and please leave a review on Apple with your thoughts on the conversations so far. Thank you in advance and enjoy the show. I realize it takes no talent, no skill to be a great teammate. It takes no talent, no skill, no ability. Being a great teammate is a decision. It's a decision to think about the we before the me. It's a decision to think we, us, and our. It's a decision to think, you know, what can I do to help the we succeed instead of focusing on what, what am I getting out of this? Because if I, whether or not I get anything out of this, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because we all hope that part of the joining the journey. We hope to get something out of it. Maybe part of that is our own individual contributions. But it shouldn't matter. If the team wins, we all win. Today, we're excited to welcome former University of Michigan basketball player, entrepreneur, and speaker Austin Hatch to the podcast. Austin has an unbelievable story that, frankly, everyone should hear, but even more powerful are the lessons that Austin has learned from his story and from his experiences. In this episode, Austin will share how to overcome adversity and how our response to adversity defines us, how college athletes can find success after sports, and how to excel in your role no matter what that role is. Without further ado, here's Austin Hatch. All right, so folks, I am super excited and amped up about the conversation today. We're here with a a good friend of the firm and so many people here in Michigan, Austin Hatch. Austin is a very successful young man in business. He's an entrepreneur. He's an inspirational speaker to so many different companies across the country today in this chapter of his life. And Austin, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking time this morning to be with us from Brutus, Michigan on Burt Lake, uh, where I know that you're with Abby uh, at her family's cabin. And so one, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you very much, Manny. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's an honor and privilege to be with you. And I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks so much. And, and look, when, when, when Chad and Libby and I were thinking about, hey, we're going to continue to bring the very best of the best, the 1% of the 1% in buckets like vision, hustle, grit, and gratitude, I have to tell you, Austin, especially those last two, grit and gratitude, that is exactly the way I have experienced you over the last three years since my move to the state of Michigan. Talk to us and tell us a little bit about the gratitude component. Take us back to where you think that foundation for this enormous amount of gratitude that you take with you every day of your life uh, to put in your best effort. Tell me about where the foundation for gratitude started from and take us through that story. Yeah, well, I think, you know, from an early age, you know, I was taught to be grateful and be, be thankful for things. And um, I, I know how fortunate I was, how fortunate I am, not a past tense, how fortunate I am um, to have the life that I do, to live in the greatest country in the world. And, um, 
You know, there's just, there's so much we're grateful for. There's a lot of things that are, you know, maybe would give us a reason to be ungrateful or, you know, things, things to get worried about or things to focus on that could bring us down, things that are beyond our control. But, you know, I've always been one to focus on the positives and look at the glasses half full. And I think that in general, in life, in business, in sports, in, in any kind, in marriage, in, in any context, the positive pe- people, the positive teams, the positive leaders are generally the winners most of the time. I mean, I'd like to think that I'm not going to say positivity will make us win every time, but I think it'll definitely help us create a little bit of a competitive advantage versus people who are negative. So, Yeah, I, I love the way you just said that. Positivity as a competitive advantage to what we've set out to do, whether it's that day, that week, that month, or that lifetime. Um, that, that really resonates with me. And Austin, look, I mean, your story, gosh, it's just such a unique story, and it's so powerful. So many people that listen into our podcast, you know, they're already familiar with it. For let's say, But let's say for those that are not, take us through three to four of the most defining moments throughout your life that have put you where your feet are today. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, I was – born to an incredible family in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, really had the kind of upbringing that, you know, most kids would dream of. You know, my mom was the, was the life of the party wherever she went. My sister was a, was a ballerina. I had, had such a bright future ahead of her. Um, and my little brother, you know, I, I picked on him a little bit, um, but it was all, all healthy, though. We had a great brotherhood, a great friendship, and um, life was good. And my dad was a doctor, um, practiced pain management in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and was kind of a – um, a model of what a great physician should be, um, the way he cared for his patients, more so than just from a medical perspective, but um, as people as well. Um, and, but, you know, tragically, um, on September 1st, 2003, we were flying back home from my grandparents' place in northern Michigan. And um, the, air, the aircraft, you know, tragically crashed as we were preparing to land. And my mom and my siblings, my mom, my older sister and younger brother tragically passed away. Um, and my, my dad threw me out of the plane to save my life. And, um, yeah, but we had a, you know, grieved our loss and found a way to keep moving forward and found a way to lean on each other and focus on the positives, um, and try to, well, it would never diminish the loss that we had experienced, but we, we focused on each other. We looked, we, we knew that how we responded to adversity. Yes. And tr- tragically we lost them. Um, but we now we knew that we had an opportunity to honor them by how we responded and by how we kept living and how we um, continued to move forward. Obviously, it was a little it was tough, but um, we just did our best to honor them every day. And um, then my dad was was remarried a couple of years later to an incredible woman who had three kids of her own. Um, we had a great blended family, and um, that restored some normalcy in my life. And I started to work really hard on my basketball skills. Um, it's kind of an escape, but also just because I love the game. And, um, you know, I was passionate about it. And it didn't feel like work. You know, I was doing it. I was working hard because I loved it. And um, fortunately, the work started to pay off. And then on June 15, 2011, Coach Beeline offered me a scholarship to play at Michigan, um, which was always my dream school. My mom went there. You know, both my grandpas went there. My dad did research at Michigan before going to medical school at Wake Forest. Um, so it, it was really my, my dream to play at Michigan from an early age. And um, I, had, I had the door had opened 
to, to go to Michigan. I got, I got the opportunity to go there and play, which was a dream come true for me. But then, um, you know, nine days after that, on June 24, 2011, we were involved in another plane crash, tragically, um, that claimed the lives of my dad and my second mom. I never really used the term stepmom. She was my mom and um, loved me like I was her own. And uh, obviously, you know, it, was, it, re- can't, can't, it would never re- replace my mom. Um, but she, she knew that. And she said that she told me that, but she just told me she was going to love me the way that, you know, she would love anyone, love or the way she would love her own. And she did. Um, but tragically they were both killed and, um, I almost lost my life as well. I had a long list of injuries, a traumatic head injury, a punctured lung, broken ribs, broken clavicles, um, a fractured pelvis, um, all kinds of things, broken sternum, like, like all kinds of things are broken. More things broken than I even, than I even know probably. Um, I was in a coma for about two months and then um, I came out of it, had to learn how to walk and talk and eat and basically how to live my life again. Um, But I made the decision early on that while I couldn't control the event that happened, none of us had control over over the adversity that presents itself, usually at least. Um, But I knew I had complete control over how I chose to respond. And I looked at that as, okay, you know what, I was working to the best basketball player that I could be before this. I now have the same mentality, but now I'm trying to make the, I'm not trying to, I'm going to make the best recovery that's ever been made by a level seven traumatic brain injury that's ever been made in the history of the world. And I thought, you know what, like we talked about before, if we're going to go, why not go big, right? And, and if, um, you know, if, if I'm going to go after this recovery, after this recovery, why not go all in? If I'm, if I'm not going to go all in, why, why even, why go at all? So um, yeah, you know, I, it was a, it was a tough road, um, but I'm grateful for the journey. I'm grateful for the lesson that I learned along the way. And not, now I'm grateful for the opportunity it's given me to inspire others in sharing a message about overcoming, but more importantly, thriving in the midst of adversity. So it, it just, I mean, just such, such an incredible journey that you've had. I just, I've never heard a story like that before in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the, the man that you've become and the way you present yourself has just consistently impressed me. And one of the things it makes me consistently ask myself, and I even ask of our young children and Ava and Atlas is, you know, did you give your best today? Did you give today everything you have? And, and I think about that because I think about how much your story is a reflection of you giving it your maximum on a consistent daily basis. You know, Tom Bilio talks about that. He talks about that on impact theory a ton. And he talks about how that, that that's where greatness comes from. It's maxing out and giving it everything you had. Where do you think at a young age, when you began to have a vision for your life of playing basketball at the university of Michigan, because that was like a, a childhood dream, right? I mean, this goes back to when you were a little boy. Talk to us about, you know, how was that vision inspired? Who inspired that vision? Who was really behind that? I've seen videos of you playing a lot as a young boy with your father uh, at home, uh, in, you know, in the driveway. I've heard you tell the story many times. Where did the vision come from and who taught you the work ethic? I think the, I think the vision came from just loving the game and you know it wasn't something that my dad set for me it wasn't something that he told me that I should do told me that you know also be really cool if you played in college played basketball in college it'd be really cool to be a father of a college athlete yeah he obviously didn't say that um 
But I think I, I just love the game so much. And um, so I think, because it's kind of like we were saying, if we're, you know what, if, I'm, if I was going to work at something, why not, why not go big? Why not set a lofty goal? And you know what? The thing about setting goals is like, uh, I think there, there's a saying that says one of the worst things that you can do for yourself is set your goals too low and achieve them, right? Yes. And, and so I thought, you know, why not set a lofty goal? And even, even if I don't achieve it, I'm, I'm going to fall in love with the process of working to achieve it. And I think that's a really important thing. We got to, my dad always told me I would get really caught up in the whole recruiting process. And when I started to get recruited, I was like, dad, why won't they just offer me a scholarship? I just want to commit to a school and know where I'm going and just have that, have this recruiting stuff behind me. Cause it's kind of stressful. I've got, I got friends of mine who had already committed to schools and I got, I kind of got a little jealous and he said, awesome, man, just enjoy the journey. And I think that's so important because in any context, in any, whatever we're doing, I think it's so important to enjoy the journey, enjoy the process of getting to where we want to go. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think once, I, once I started to work hard at basketball and it started to get pretty good, um, and, I, and I could kind of tell that, you know, I had the, the possibility of playing in college. Once I could see that there was an opportunity, there was a potential opportunity, I just put my head down and went full speed ahead. Um, and went full throttle because it's like you know like like airplanes you know when we take off on the runway you don't go you don't go half power if you're going to take off you got to go full throttle right so I, so I thought you know I'm trying to metaphorically take off and you can get to the place of where you know where college coaches can see that I can maybe help their teams win championships but if I'm, if I'm going to get there I'm going to have to go all in so um, went all in and yeah just but I think the most important thing is I loved it it wasn't work to me and I think people we got to find something we love um, and, also, and, and have people in our life who can push us and hold us accountable because my dad was never the kind of, he was never really like, he was never the helicopter parent. You know what I mean? He was, he was yes. hands off and he would, he would give me all the resources, all, all the, you know, everything that I needed to, to get to where I wanted to be, but he would, he wouldn't do it for me. He would say, you know, if you wanted to go to this camp, we go to a father's son camp every summer up until I was in about eighth grade. And cause he was a really good athlete back in the day as well. Um, and we play one-on-one every night in the driveway. Um, and yeah, but you know, I think, I think the biggest thing I learned from him, the work ethic, he was a, he was a doctor, a pain management physician in, in Fort Wayne, um, worked really hard. You know, let's see, let's see 50 or 60 patients in a day, come home, have dinner, play and then play me one-on-one in the driveway after dinner, almost every night. Um, and I, I didn't, I, he did he never let me beat him. He didn't let me win until. I didn't start beating him until eighth grade. So I think it's like learning how to just, just the workout that he taught me and, you know, kind of instilling the mindset in me that, you know, nothing's given, everything's earned. I think it was just really important. So, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it, in such a little window of time, you just said so many things and I, and I, um, you know, I'm obsessed about the last one you said, which is, Hey, nothing is really given. It's all earned. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the comment about just, you know, putting in the work. I love the comment about, hey, you got it. You have to take a minute to try to enjoy the journey and the experience. I mean, there's so much going on around you. I could see why a father would want their son to, to almost have their head on a, on a 360 degree swivel, really just taking it all in as they're going through this unique moment in their life. Because we don't get to hit backwards on, on, on the play button. Right. And so that was really powerful. I really appreciate you saying that. I want to go back to where you were going with kind of your 
uh, youthful urgency in choosing a school. I want to go back to that for a quick second because I've, I've heard this story many times. And as you know, Libby and Chad, they do such a great job of getting us ready for these conversations. Libby reminded me of the story that I had heard before where uh, Coach Bayline, uh, you know, verbally told you that, you know, they were going to offer you and he was excited for you to go to Michigan. And, and how long did it take for you to respond that you were in? Well, so on June 15, 2011, about 1.45 in the afternoon, it was an odd time of day for Coach Bayline to call. We usually talked at night, about once a month, because that's all you could talk per NCAA guidelines, and he never broke any rules like that. He even told us, he even told people on the staff, he said, if you get accused of a recruiting violation, if you get accused of anything like that, said you're fired. I want nothing to do with it. And so he was just, he's just clean. It was clean. Everyone knows that, obviously. Um, but we usually talked at night, uh, about once a month. And he called him at 1.45, which was an odd time of day because I figured he was being you know, busy at, at, at the gym, you know, working on things. And he called and, and then he said, hey, Austin, you know, the coaching staff and I have watched you play a lot. We love what you have to offer. Uh, as a player, love the kind of guy you are as well. Would I'd like to offer you a full scholarship, Coach? I'm coming. You don't need. I don't need to get. <laughs> I, I don't need to come see the campus again. I, I've seen enough. I'm coming. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think I think he. I, I probably. I, I definitely interrupted him when he was telling me off. Yeah, he, he he didn't fully offer me. He was about halfway through telling me he was offering me, and I said, Coach, I'm coming. So I love that. So let's, let's flip the script for a second, right? You know, my, uh, my dear friend and, and, and one of my business partners uh, who you know well or getting to know well, Paul Davis, you know, played, played somewhere else in Michigan, right? And, yeah, uh, unfortunately. And, and, and look, I, I am such a fan of the coach you played for, but I would say in a healthy way, I'm borderline obsessed about Coach Izzo. I just, the things, the way I see him serve and lead those young men over the last several decades has just been so inspiring to me. And even from my time in Chicago, I'd probably watch a little more Spartan basketball than one would think. What if it had been Coach Izzo? Because I know your mother and your grandfather went to University of Michigan, correct? Yeah. What if he had been Coach Izzo? Would you, have, would you have ended up being a Spartan if he had been the first one to offer? Yeah, but I wasn't good enough to go to Michigan State. I wasn't good enough at the time. The thing about Coach Beeline is he recruits guys who are underdeveloped. And, you know, like he sees a lot of potential in like Like my teammates, like, like Spike Albrecht, right, who people thought he was a manager on the team. And then he comes to the national championship game and has 20 points in the first half, right? <laughs> so, like, like, like see, see, like, like, kind of, he, coach, coach likes to recruit kind of the underdog guys that, you know, are, that work hard. Or, he likes guys that are good shooters. I was a pretty good shooter at one point in my life. Um, and yeah, but I think, I think, you know, I'm sure Co Coach was a great guy. One of my best friends, actually, is a guy named Russell Bird, who played oh. for, who played for coaches. Russell was actually in our wedding a few years ago. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, Coach is a great guy. You know, they have a great program there, and it's a great rivalry. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Coach Izzo would have, you know, reacted to my situation very similarly to how Coach Beeline did. So Yeah. But, I mean, both absolutely first-class men 
and and some of the uh, some of the all time greats in college basketball easily. Michigan's blessed to have had, to have both of them. So that that was great. I just I was always curious because I knew you had this youthful urgency to commit and like set your plan and say this is where I'm going. Um, and I was just really curious what would have happened had it been somebody else to ask you first. So that's great. I really appreciate you taking us through that story. Yeah. Talk to me about where you're at in life today. And, and I say this from the perspective that a young man who's walked in your shoes, which I know of no other young man ever that has walked the path you've walked. There are so many things, Austin, that I can tell from the outside looking in you could be doing today to serve, to lead others, and to make a tremendous impact and build a wonderful legacy. Yet, you've dedicated your life, at least in recent years, to telling your story as a catalyst to adjust people's perspective, the vision they have for their life, the amount of work ethic and hustle they put into attacking their vision and doing it with volcanic levels of grit and gratitude for the opportunity and the journey. Why did you choose that? Why well, I, I believe that, you know, my life story, my life experiences have given me a unique opportunity upon which I can add value, add a lot of value to organizations across the country. And so the odds of me, the odds, according to an MIT statistician, the, the odds of surviving one plane crash with, with, with at least one fatality involved, the odds of surviving that is one in 3.4 million. One in 3.4 million. So that's pretty slim. Um, you wouldn't really bet on that. Um, and so I, I, I tragically, but fortunately, I survived two of those. So using my prestigious Michigan education, um, one in 3.4 million times one in 3.4 million is one in 11 quadrillion, 560 trillion. So that's one over a 14 digit number in the denominator there. So that's pretty slim. So I shouldn't be here if you, from a, from a, you know, a, realistic standpoint from a statistic perspective i should not be alive i shouldn't be but well i guess if i am i should be right um and so i look at that as you know what if i if i have the experiences that i do i probably am meant to do something that something unique something different and you know i just feel so blessed to be able to share some of the lessons i've learned the hard way you know from my road to recovery um, from the second accident, especially, you know, the accident where I suffered, you know, a lot more significant injuries and was almost killed. Um, excuse me there. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I just, I feel so blessed to now be in a position to, you know, be able to share things from a unique perspective. And, you know, I, I look at, there's a quote that says, um, if you learn to use it right, the adversity you face can buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. And I think about that. And, you know, maybe it's, I might amend that quote a little bit and say your response to the adversity you face can buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way because the adversity happened. And when I travel the country, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of great opportunities to speak to a variety of organizations across the country. And, um, and hopefully we'll continue to grow that business, grow that platform in the years to come you know, after, the, after this COVID stuff passes. Um, but if I, if I use that, if I use my experiences the right way, because I can share things from a unique perspective. Fortunately, very few people have been through what I have. 
But I look at that and, you know, that's a great opportunity to, you know, provide a lot of value for other people. And, you know, I, you know, speaking, it does, I do it for myself. I do it for our family. Um, but and I enjoy it, but I do it more to provide value for other people because I look at the lesson that I'm learning. If I, if I can share some, maybe if I go speak to a room of, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's four or 500 people. And if I can share something to that audience that hits home with one person in the room, one person out of that four or 500 people or however big the audience is, if it, if it hits home with one person and helps them overcome, helps them persevere, helps them keep moving forward in the face of opposition, pain, rejection, whatever it may be. If something I share that day hits home with one person, I think I've done my job. So yeah, I just feel so blessed. And I heard you say, uh, you know, if you could provide value a few times. And I've heard you say that many times through recorded conversations and other times that I've been able to hear you speak. You know, we, we at our firm, we talk a lot about uh, the nobility in sales and how as long as we are unflinchingly committed to provide value to the other person, there should be great nobility and privilege uh, and humility that we feel and confidence that we feel in serving those individuals um, through this profession. And, and you know, I feel that way, right? And you know that I think that way. I love it when I hear you talk about providing others value. I think back to uh, this great vision you had as a young man to play at the University of Michigan. You then get there after two unbelievably traumatic experiences in your life. And I would guess from your comments that I've heard before that you didn't necessarily have the collegiate basketball career you had dreamt of as a little boy. But I constantly hear from others what a great teammate you were. Connect those two for me. A great teammate after this enormous adversity, a somewhat fragmented reality to the dream you had since a little boy, and yet you're just unflinchingly committed to bringing value to your teammates and to your team and to help them win, and that's how everybody remembers you. Talk us through that. Yeah, so, you know, I think, uh, first of all, you know, I I had this vision when I committed um, on June 15, 2011, I was playing at a pretty high level. And Coach Beeline saw I had a future helping his teams win championships on the court. And I, th- I hope to. I'm going to be able to play. or I didn't know how much I'd play, but I hope to have a good uh, – uh, make a, a good contribution to the team on the court. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the injury that I suffered in the second accident that um, almost took my life prevented me from, you know, having that role that I, that I hoped of having, that I looked forward to having. Um, but it takes – and so I, I lost a lot of my athleticism, a lot of my explosiveness and jumping ability, and I, I, I had my head injury. I couldn't think the game fast enough to compete at the college level. Um, but I, I realized it takes no talent, no skill to be a great teammate. It takes no talent, no skill, no ability. Being a great teammate is a decision. It's a decision to think about the we before the me. It's a decision to think we, us, and our – it's a decision to think, you know, what can I do to help the we succeed instead of focusing on what, what am I getting out of this? Because if I, whether or not I get anything out of this, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because we all hope that part of enjoying the journey. We hope to get something out of it. Maybe part of that is our own individual contributions. 
but it shouldn't matter if the team wins we all win right um and so i think that you know i realized that and i realized that i i wasn't going to have the role that i that i that i hoped to have originally um and so i just had to shift my perspective a little bit i had to shift my i don't want to say that had i not gotten injured i would have been a selfish teammate because i'd like to think i was a good teammate for most of my life all my life but um after the accident happened i thought okay well, you know what, if I can't contribute the way I hope to originally, the way I plan on, I'm going to contribute by being the best teammate that I can be. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to be, to be a first team all American teammate. Maybe I wasn't, maybe, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but see, I mean, there aren't many first team all Americans in the country. I mean, there's maybe, there's maybe 10 in the whole, in the whole NCAA out of the 300 teams, there's, you know, so out of the, you know, the, whatever, the, the 3000 College, college basketball players, there are, there are very few first-team All-Americans. Um, but we can all be first-team All-American teammates. It's just a decision to focus on what the team needs. And, you know, Coach Schembechler, I'm sure most of the listeners are familiar with this. Hopefully, maybe all the listeners are, are, are Michigan State fans, which is okay. Um, but, yeah, but Coach, Coach Schembechler taught you said the team, the team, the team. He said, everything you do, you should take into consideration what effect it has on your team. I realized that you know, while I wasn't a contributing player on the team, a rising tide can lift all boats. If I fill my role to the best of my ability, if I fill my role to the best of my ability, there's no way that can make a positive impact on the team. Now, look, maybe be the guys like Karis LeVert or Mo Wagner or Duncan Robinson, who are stars of the team on the court, maybe they, maybe their impact, maybe they had a bigger impact on the team. But I, you know, I, I knew that if I brought a positive attitude, if I, if, I, if I worked as hard as I could in practice, if I ran sprints as hard as I could, despite the fact that I finished last, say, say I ran a thousand suicides in college, I finished dead last every single time. Every time. I'm not afraid to admit it, but I, I ran as hard as I could. And maybe if my teammates saw me giving it all I had, maybe that'd make them want to give a little extra to I have no idea. But if, 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 we, if we're giving it all we got, I mean, how can that not be encouraging, motivating for the rest of the people on the team? So I just look at it as, you know what, what an incredible opportunity I was, you know, I, I had to be on the team at Michigan, especially given where I came from. I'm so blessed to have made the recovery that I did, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without the, the efforts, contributions, thoughts, prayers of many people across the country that I, that I don't even know that prayed for me, played for my recovery. Those people were on the team that helped me get better too. And I felt that I owed it to those people and I owed it to my family, my friends, the doctors, to the therapists who took care of me. I owed it to Coach Beeline for him giving me the opportunity or, you know, still honoring his commitment to me. I felt I owed it to him to do everything I possibly could to, to be a star in my role, to be a champion in my role. So, and you know what, like I said, you know, maybe, my, maybe I didn't contribute anything. Maybe my role didn't contribute anything to the team on the court. And that's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we just got to do things because it's what the team needs. So... So, so you said a lot there, and it was really, really valuable. Let's summarize this, though. We have a lot of uh, student athletes that listen in week over week. Let's summarize it into three simple takeaways from your perspective of what it looks like to be a great teammate. Three simple. Do it. Um, find a way. Uh, I, okay, okay, and three, let's say, um, be a star in your role, whatever it is, whether, you're, whether, whether you are a star of the team, whether you're the supporting cast, whether you're a manager who gets, you know, who does the, 
you know, helps the team with the things from a managerial perspective, be a star in your role. Think about the team first. Awesome. Last one. You're starting your role. Think about the team first. And if you're, if you're, if you're grateful, be grateful for the opportunity, because if you're grateful for the opportunity to be on the team, you're probably, you're probably going to do your best to, to be a star in your role. Right. So, so, so it's, I feel like almost everything, if you look, if you think about it, uh, Manny, a lot of things come back to gratitude. If we're, if we're grateful for things, you know, I don't want to say that like, you know, I don't want to feel like we're, we should feel like we don't deserve it. But if you're, if you're just grateful, you know, man, how lucky am I, how blessed am I to have this opportunity? Then you're probably not going to be selfish. You're probably not going to do things that bring the team down, right? If you're grateful for the opportunity to be on the team, you're going to do what you can to help. And, you know, for the people on the listening to this, if they're, if there's people who have a role, you're, you're questioning your role on the team or whether that role is important. I had those thoughts. I had the, you know, cause I, I couldn't play anymore. You know, all I could do was unload luggage on road trips, shag balls in practice, you know, encourage teammates, bring a positive attitude. If that, if, if, if that didn't matter, if your role didn't matter, you probably wouldn't be on the team. So. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And, and earlier you were making a comment about, you know, why you wouldn't give your best, right, when it's really up to you. Um, it reminded me of a time that a dear friend of mine, Ben Newman, interviewed Jerry Rice. And, and Jerry Rice has very simply said, and I'm not going to say it exactly, you know, word for word, but he basically made the point, why would someone not give 100% when it's 100% their choice? And I just thought, I was like, wow, did that just... I mean, that just captured everything right there. And um, I really like the way that you're inferring and maybe saying that like your attitude and effort is a reflection of your level of gratitude for the opportunity. And so uh, there's no doubt that, you know, we align in that comment. And uh, it's something that I deeply believe in. I deeply believe that a lot of our attitude and effort comes from a foundation of, of, of thankfulness in having gratitude for the opportunities we're presented with. So I really appreciate you taking us through that story. What advice um, would you give some of the college students today that are maybe thinking about, hey, I'm not sure I'm going to make it to the next level uh, after collegiate sports, after the NCAA. What advice would you give them today about how to find something that uh, they're, they're passionate and can get purposeful around uh, to, to write the next chapter in their lives the way that you have so well. Yeah, well, I think that um, the biggest thing, so not, this is, may seem like a bit of a tangent, but um, so as soon as I realized the fact that I wasn't going to be able to play um, sports at the level I once could, um, I thought, what, can, what lessons can I take away from that I can apply to the other areas of my life that I'm still able to pursue? And, you know, you know, the dedication, the commitment, the work ethic, the persistence, the, the grit, right? Because when, you know, like what it take, I think we can apply those lessons to any aspect of our life. That's why a lot of employers like to hire former athletes because the mindset they've acquired by, by competition, by competing against, you know, competing against other people. But I think especially um, athletes, most of all of them, maybe, maybe, maybe not most all of them, but a lot of them have an internal drive to compete against themselves. And I think that's really important. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned 
we're never as good as we think we are. And there's always someone out there working. And I thought, you know, if I'm not working on our business, if I'm not doing things right now to get better, there's someone out there who is. And since I'm not working, that person's going to win every time, right? And so I think, I think the, way, the way, the mindset with which we, we, learn, to, we learn to approach athletics, sports, whatever you play, um, the mindset we acquire by working to be the best we can be, um, we can apply that to any other aspect of life. You know, that, that, that same the drive, dedication, commitment, persistence, um, that goal setting, setting, setting having, a, having a vision of where you want to be because it all starts with a vision, right? Like I, I know you said that before. And we're like we're talking about now. You know, we started with that vision of, to play in college. You got to have the vision of playing in college when you're young. And if you can't make it, if you have the plan in pros, but you aren't, you know, you're not able to get there, that's okay. Unfortunately, you know, for me, my, my athletic career ended on June 24, 2011, and I was in the second plane crash. But, I had, but that opened up more opportunity. That opened up an opportunity for me to pursue other things. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's not a good way to say it. But if we look at it as, look at adversity as opportunity, because we can look at life in general as what is taken away by an experience, by some form of adversity, what we're not able to do. I wasn't able to play in Michigan the way I wanted to. I wasn't able to have that role on the team that I wanted to. Okay. Now I have an opportunity to, to be the best teammate that I could be. And those lessons I learned by being a great teammate, those helped me today in, in, in life, business, marriage, right? And, and so you just, just look and find a way to focus on the positives. You know, even if you, so for the people who, who have the goal of playing at the next level after college but aren't, aren't able to get there, you know, obviously, I'm sure they're disappointed and you have the right to be. Um, but look at it at, okay, I'm not going to be a pro at, at that, but I'm getting, now I'm going to be a pro at something. We're all pros at something. If you do something, if you get paid to do something, you're a pro at it, arguably. We, now, I'm not saying, now we can all get better. I can certainly get better at what I'm doing. I'm sure you know you can get better at what you're doing as well. But if you, we're all pros at something. And just choose, just choose something um, that you're passionate about and that you're willing to sacrifice for. Because like sports, you know, we had to sacrifice to get to the college level, right? And, you, you, I mean, you had to sacrifice. You know, when your friends were going out partying or, or, or when your friends were doing something else in high school, you, you were working on your game. You were maybe going to work on your game early in the morning before school, working out sure. after school. So find something, find something you love. And I know everyone says that. Do, do what you love. Maybe that's a bit cliche. But I think the most important thing I've learned from sports is find something you're willing to sacrifice for willing to give up other things that you would choose this over the like kind of how coach beyond says uh coach Beyond always saw it's a it's a cadet prayer at west point one of the things one of the lines in the prayer is is lord help me choose the more difficult wrong or the more difficult right over the easier wrong and i i, I think sorry i'm I, I know i just said a lot there as well but yeah so no, and, and, and I, I really appreciate it. So tell me, let's, let's do this. As we're winding down uh, the hour, I always enjoy taking uh, our guests through a little bit of rapid fire. So if you're okay, I'm going to take you through that now. And I'm going to give you a couple quick questions. Let's go really tight on the answers. All right? Okay. Sorry, I've been a little lengthy. No, you're, you're great. What's your favorite book that you've read in the last year? Uh, probably Outliers 
I'm Malcolm Gladwell. It's an old, it's an old one, but why? The story of success, the 10,000 hour rule, the 10,000 hour rule, the Beatles, the Wright brothers, everyone who, who is successful in any, in anything puts in at least 10,000 hours. I love that. What's your favorite comfort food? Uh, probably chicken pot pie. Probably. Probably. <laughs> favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Well, I haven't really thought about that one for a while. Um, I don't know. Maybe Superman. <laughs> okay. Favorite comeback story in sports? Um... I'd like to think I have a pretty good one, but I think, but I think, I think uh, if it wasn't me, maybe Rudy. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm heading to South Bend this week for a soccer tournament for Alex, oh, awesome. and awesome. I'm pretty pumped up. I'm pretty yeah, pumped up. Great. I won't lie. Great. Awesome. Who's your favorite sports team to watch today? Uh, Michigan. Michigan Which football sport? and basketball. Uh, basketball, um, I like a good football game, a, a nice Saturday afternoon football game, too. Have you met Coach Howard? Yeah, great guy. One word great to guy. describe him. Humble. Love it. Servant, servant leader. Coach Beeline said that the, the great leaders lead by serving others first because they've shown that they genuinely care about those they're leading. I love that. That's great. What's the biggest thing you're looking forward to over the next five years of your life with Abby? If we're blessed with children, which hopefully we will be, I always say it's not really in our, in our control, but we would love, would love it. Because my, my dad and I were best friends. He was everything to me. He was my world. And, you know, unfortunately I lost him, but I'm ex excited to share the lessons that I learned from him with hopefully with our children someday. Is there another chapter in your business life? And if so, what is that? Yes, there's always another chapter. Um, we're in, we're in, we're in, uh, maybe we're past the introduction. Maybe we're in chapter one of, of our business. Um, uh, okay, so ch chapter two, we're pretty good right now. We're doing pretty, we're pretty, pretty, pretty well and providing a lot of value. Um, but chapter two is good to great. I love it. Great, unbelievable yeah. book. Where can people find you, Austin? If they want to reach out to you to just hear more about your story, if they want to reach out to you to have you come out and speak to their teams or to their companies, um, if they want to reach out to you to just get connected, where can people find you? I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a good way. Um, that works. I'm in, the, I'm, in the I'm, in the world. I'm in the stages of building a website. Hopefully that'll be done you know, probably by the, by the end of the summer, um, early fall. Um, and once I get that, I'll make sure that's publicly available to people. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say LinkedIn is the best way because I have, you know, my email is on there and you can follow me or, or and then I can, we can communicate that way and maybe have, and then have a phone call too. So yeah, I would love to speak. would be honored to speak if I would add value to any and all organizations across the country. Gang, so there you have it. Austin Hatch live successful business person entrepreneur inspirational speaker to teams companies small and large organizations he's speaking to our firm next month in the month of august to kick off our speaker series
for the entire month. Austin, it was an absolute pleasure to be with you. Please send my very best and my gratitude to Abby for giving her to us for an hour while you're away with family up north at Burt Lake. And um, as always, gang, vision, hustle, grit, and gratitude. We think it's a simple recipe to success. And when applied with enough unflinching and intense activity towards those four disciplines, we believe it's really what sets apart the 1% of the top 1%. And so until next time, thanks and keep at it. Thank you guys very much. For more insights from top performers in sports and business, be sure to subscribe to Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude. Until next time, keep doing great things.